All right, um, fascinating. I, uh, I went through the first service. I did the sermon, um, and I, I, I know the Lord gave it to me. Michelle asked me last night, do you have your sermon? I'm like, yeah, kind of. I didn't have anything. Um, I, I wasn't lying. I, I just meant kind of. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's an interesting season because when you're going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, it's easy because you just go to the next passage. And this is a season that I'm unfamiliar with where the Lord is giving me specific scriptures in the midst of all this. Um, and I'm, I'm unfamiliar with it. And last night, late at night, the Lord put a word on my heart and formulated the message, drew me to the passage, and I shared it first service. When I finished first service, I went into my office after spending time greeting folks and saying hello. I went in and I opened up my email and I saw an email from a dear friend, uh, clicked on it, and I, I do my best to read what he writes but he's a copious writer and gets a little, a lot. Uh, and and I, I read it and I thought, wow, he must have listened to my sermon. Um, and, and yet I know that's not the case because these are written long before my sermon. And um, I, I, was, I was moved to think that not only, I was moved to realize that this is a moment that God is using and I think he's aligning his people as we all know, the impending January 6th is approaching. For those of you who don't know what it is, I don't know what cave you've been in. Um, so, and then I'm, I'm watching as God is doing some amazing alignment. Um, oh, by the way, and, and this all happened, um, I think, last night. Uh, January 17th, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after that, uh, Charlie Kirk will be here speaking. Yeah, Amen. But in addition, and I'll be here with him, in addition, it's gonna, uh, we're going to have Sean Foich. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. I've never heard him say it. Is it Foich? Foich. There's a C in there and an H. How do you get Foich? Who's mumbling? Okay, say it. Stand up and let us hear it. What is it? Foich. Ja, sehr gut. Dankeschön. Sean Voigt, yeah, sir, sir, einen guten Namen, yeah. So he's going to be with us, and I had the chance to get to know him as he was running for office. He called me, and we had a neat talk one time. I didn't know him from Adam. I didn't realize he, because I just, y'all are going to dismiss me, but I'm not really into Christian music, quite honestly. I, 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 I like worship songs. I don't know who's played them. I, I think our worship team does better than any on the planet, so I mean, I'm just kind of content with that. Uh, but as I got to know him, I realized how brave he was, and uh, he invited me to do this New Year's event. I'll show it to you in a minute, but he's been in Kenosha, Wisconsin. He's been in Portland. Uh, he has been, and you're going to see in the video I'm about to show you in Echo Park, he goes into the thick of the fight. Uh, demonic presence is there. Things happen. People come to Christ in droves. There's an awakening and a revival, and he's being reviled by the church itself. Pastors coming out just saying awful things about him. And, and I'm looking at him thinking, man, what an amazing guy. So when we were back in Florida, um, uh, in, in Palm Beach, we had assembled a group of pastors calling it the Dissident Church Network. <laughs> and uh, they're pastors from all over the country that have been standing in opposition to these uh, tyrannical, draconian measures. And they're fearless and it's coming at great cost. And we gathered to draw up the declaration of, uh, of, of the dissident church. And we're not asking for permission to open. We're not declaring that we're essential. We're just assuming that. 
but what we are is we're standing on behalf of the American people. And we, we wrote up this declaration. We're going to bring the pastors in on January uh, 16th and 17th. They're going to be here. We're going to lay hands on Charlie. We're going to pray for the pastors. Sean will be a part of that. And as I sent this out to the tech stream of some of these pastors, uh, many of them I'd never met. And I've, I've participated in the American Renewal Project. We've met thousands of pastors across the country. Somehow these guys just were never a part of it. And, uh, and they're just popping up all over the place. So um, I asked Sean, I said, hey, uh, Charlie's going to preach. Can you come out and do worship? And he said, I'm already booked in another church in uh, Nashville, I think it was. He goes, but let me, it, that's an awesome thing. Let me see if I can rearrange my schedule. So I sent this out uh, to the pastors on the network. And I said, there's a chance that Sean will be with us, but he has to change uh, a schedule. And Greg Locke, one of the pastors on there, chimes in. He goes, yeah, he's supposed to be with us. <laughs> And, and bless Greg's heart, he goes, you know, I'm a team player. We need him there, and I'll do my best to get out there and the other pastors as well. So uh, we're going to meet on Saturday night. We're going to pray Sunday. You're going to be a part of what I believe will be a transformative move of God's spirit. Uh, and I'm excited about it. And then one of the guys on the tech stream who's, who's been a lifelong, a lifelong, long-time friend uh, and also has been an American Renewal Project preacher. We've gone to Israel together, Ken Graves. His comment when I had talked about how brave Sean was, he said, you know, when I looked at his hair, I always thought he was kind of a girly man. <laughs> and if you know Ken, he's like a cross between Leonidas and Shakespeare, and he's just brutally, he grapples for fun and hits people, and, you know, he's just weird that way. <laughs> I love him, and he's tender. He's just a precious man, but he, he's a man's man. And he said, but I, I'm, I was wrong. I was wrong. Sean is a warrior in the truest sense. And he said, and I'll be there with you all. And so something is happening that's very profound. And uh, when Sean invited me to come out on New Year's, I didn't know anything about it. I had met Sean or been invited by a guy named Jay, who I was introduced through, through, through Che on. And I got that introduction through David Lane, who's here, one of our elders. He prayed for grace. So I went out New Year's uh, after we had done um, an event on the beach. And this is the Audible. Uh, Kirk Cameron, come on up, buddy. Get up here. If you stand for truth in the midst of complete deception and an attempt to write a narrative that will imprison and enslave America, uh, you will be, you'll be canceled, you'll be dismissed, you'll be attacked. We had a, a few hundred gather out on the beach at Point Magoo, and at $5,000 an hour, the news camera was up there circling us, filming us. And one of my favorite lines was from uh, Jesse. When he said, uh, first you say that there's only 25 people at the gathering, but then you call it a super spreader event. He says, make up your mind, which is it? <laughs> but um, in front of all these folks and everyone listening, I want to say thank you because you are fearless and you bless us. Come on. Come on. Amen. They'd be standing, too. They just don't know everyone else is. <laughs> well. All right. Now, now tell them what the plans are. Do you know? <laughs> I'm, no, I'm no more fearless than you all are. Amen. That's coming true. Coming and showing up. You, you're the ones who made it an actual thing. That's true. Amen. So thank you all for coming. Uh, I, just real quick, I, I got an article from a friend this morning who's a neurosurgeon. Stand and behind the wooden thing. 
He's a, neuro, a neurosurgeon, uh, a spine doctor, and he sent me an article this morning saying that what we did is actually uh, more than just a, a, a protest, that Mayo Clinic just sent, put out this article in, it was, it was reprinted in Neuroscience News, that playing music and singing music and listening to music is actually a very important part of neurologic health going through things like this, like a pandemic. And so uh, I thought, you know, we really are doing a lot more than just uh, going against the rules. We're actually helping people and spreading hope and health. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks, man. So in a moment, we'll get to the verse that the Lord, uh, the verses the Lord called me to, but I want to put it into context. Uh, we're going to be taking a look shortly at Romans 13. It's going to be verses 11 through 14. Um, and if you want, uh, you can op open up your Bible to it. If you have the Bibles, you can pass them out. If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. These folks will give you a Bible. It's going to be in Romans. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans uh, in the New Testament. And then it's chapter 13. And we're going to be taking a look at verse 11, or at least starting there. And by the way, if you've raised your hand, take one of these Bibles. We need one up front here. If you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to keep that. It'll be the most important book you've ever possessed. It's the only book in the world where you don't read it. It reads you. It's the only thing that every time you're reading it, everything you're reading is true. That's kind of a comforting thing in this day and age. So... Um, um, what we have in Romans 13 is a passage that is one that has been used against folks like Kirk Cameron, myself, Sean, and others. We, uh, we've been beat up by this. I was listening to Sean, and he was devastated because he's being attacked by the church itself for putting on these events all over the country, Portland, Kenosha, and, and he's... He's watching people come to Christ in, the, in droves. You should have seen it that New Year's. It was the only event in the country that was like it. And while he's leading people to Christ, you're seeing the mayor of New York City dance with his wife alone in Times Square. Uh, a, a complete picture of tyranny. Um, the, the elites can do it, but all of you peons, um, you need to stay in and mask yourself and, you know, muzzle and, and wait for someone to deliver food to your door. And... When you stand up in the midst of this insanity, you get beat up. Now, mind you, we've had 263 tragic deaths in our county of 856,000 people. It's uh, three one-hundredths three of 1% death rate. It's hit home. We've, we've had um, one of our congregants pass, um, and, and he had comorbidities, um, and, and it breaks my heart. I mean, we've all been affected by it. As a matter of fact, uh, I, I want to recognize uh, Ed's wife, Claudia, is here, and she's a recent widow, and she's here. She's here to worship the Lord. Uh, Claudia, where are you, dear? Stand up, love, would you? Come on. And if I had us all raise our hand of those who have contracted COVID, you'd see that we have herd immunity. I mean, it's like, meh. Um, but we have known all along that this virus affects a specific group of people. And um, uh, I, 
I, I look at that and I think to myself, one one hundredth or three one hundredths of one percent, uh, we have tested almost 700,000 people in the county of 856,000. We've done 700,000 tests. Uh, 35,000 people have tested positive. And of that, we've, we've tragically lost a little over 260 people. Now, it was, it, it, it was um, con- considered that we would lose thousands. And so we completely locked down our county and just 5% of the county, now that's doing projected data, 5% of the county has contracted it. More have, they just didn't know they got it. Almost 80% of the people that contract COVID don't even know they've had it. it it's, it's one of those viruses that you have to be tested to know that you have it in, in some cases. Now those with comorbidities, heart issues, diabetes, um, you know, those folks get affected. More so, and, and also age is a determining factor. And so we're looking at the county, and those are the percentages, yet 100% of our county has been devastated by the lockdowns. They took away Easter, Palm Sunday, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. They've devastated our businesses, shuttered our schools, quarantined the abused with the abusers. The two reporting agencies, schools and churches, mandated reporters for abuse have been shuttered. We, we have the highest 12-month Ready for this? 12 months recorded in the history of the United States. The highest overdose deaths recorded in American history in the last 12 months. They don't talk about that. Emotional, psychological. The liquor stores are essential. Cannabis distributors are essential. And we're watching our young people. And they still won't give us the suicide data. By the way, the youngest victim in our county of COVID died of an overdose, but considered a COVID death. So you can see what we're dealing with. And, and, and as, as we've come to the conclusion of 2020, we have death certificates. You, you can't mess around with death certificates. You got to put them in a category. And so now you have not an increase in deaths from the previous year. Not an increase in deaths of the elderly in the previous years. What you have is there's no more influenza and no more pneumonia. It's all just been translated into COVID deaths. Now, uh, 2021 may prove to be more devastating. I don't know. But 2020, the numbers don't lie. And yet we've watched as our entire nation has been devastated. We've watched an election stolen. And everyone has just been dismissed as though, you know, these are not the drones you're looking for. You don't know the reference. <laughs> just, they just wave their hand, and you're supposed to take it. And I'm burdened by that. And then when someone stands up and says, no, 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 the church won't be silent. The church, as Kirk points out, is necessary in a time of pandemic. It always has been and always will be. Uh, the king of California is not greater than the king of all creation, Jesus Christ. It just doesn't work that way. You know, I was thinking of Ed Apogian. He, he loved the Lord. He loved to be with God's people. Uh, there was no regrets in his life in that respect. That Claudia is here is a testimony that Jesus Christ is preeminent. This is, this is an, an exclamation point of faith. And I, I know she's hurting. We're all hurting. 
in relation to that. But we stand in defense of our neighbors. And I'll go through that momentarily. But I do want to share with you, it's a four-minute video. This is what Sean put together, and he's coming on the 17th. He asked me to speak at it. I did. But here's the kicker. In the video, you're going to see a man named Matthew Barnett, who is the director of the Dream Center. The governor shut down the Dream Center, a homeless shelter, wouldn't allow them to participate in Christmas to help all these homeless families because they're Christian. And I told Matthew, I was speaking right after him, I prayed for him, I said, Matthew, you need to open up the Dream Center. I said, I know you're a lover, not a fighter, but you've got to fight. And you've got to fight on behalf of the homeless, and I need you to stand. And he, he's ready, and he, he's, he sees it because he's seeing the devastation in the community in which he resides. And you're going to see at the end what happens. Take a look. It's four minutes, a little long for my taste, but Sean put it together, and I want to honor him. Take a look at this, and we'll get to the message. bringing unity only a united church can heal a divided nation and we show up on behalf of our nation and we show up on behalf of our families and we show up on behalf of the future of america and we say god give us revival Strikes 12. We're going to sling that stone at every 
walls anymore. This power is to be released in all the nations for all the world to see. We don't have to sit around and wait to be called essential. We are essential. We are the greatest army that has ever been mobilized in the history of the world. With some generous donors, we're able tonight to give you a gift of $60,000. Come on, make some noise, church! Uh, by the time that that was, he, he, we raised $100,000 for him. Uh, so it was really exciting. So, yeah, amen. So as we uh, get ready to study, the context begins in Romans 13, which is the verse that has been used to hit Kirk Cameron, Sean, and myself over the head and countless other ministers who are being declared... Um, by the elites to be super spreaders that somehow we're endangering our neighbors and we're being hit over the head by the church. It says in Romans 13 verse 1, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities for there's no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves for rulers are not a terror to good works but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he's God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who would practice evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs Fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, means that you shall not lie, you shall not covet, and if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. That passage of scripture is used to pound us over the head because they declare that we're in violation of the authorities appointed by God. They go on to say that we don't love our neighbor because we expose them to this devastating virus by opening our churches and allowing folks to sit shoulder to shoulder without masks. By the way, if you're wearing a mask and you can smell someone smoking, that smoke that you're smelling that particle is exponentially larger than the COVID virus. It's one one-thousandth the size of a strain of human hair. 
It makes you feel better. It gives you justification to yell at another, to belittle them, ridicule them. It gives you authority to cause them to submit as you humiliate them in front of others. It takes bravery to walk in without a mask and to stand on the science. And yet, they say it's all about science. Fascinating that a virus only comes out at 10 p.m., and works till 5 a.m. Fascinating that that virus doesn't seem to affect the governor when he sits shoulder to shoulder, no mass at the French Laundry with 22 of his cronies, including the health officer of California. Fascinating that this doesn't affect Speaker Pelosi if she goes to get her hair done. Fascinating. We have videos of every elected official. And the, the, the sad thing about it is it's, it's so easy to acquire these videos of complete hypocrisy. And yet, you're shamed and dismissed and canceled if you dare step out of line. And so they submit the churches by declaring that you are not submitting to the authorities and they hit you over the head with that. Fascinatingly enough, that was the verse that was used the most in Nazi Germany to silence the church. And I say to those pastors, I'm in agreement with your translation of Romans 13 that we are to submit to authorities. The only problem is you don't understand the form of government in which you live, which is a constitutional republic. And the authority in Romans 13 is we the people. And we the people allow the authorities, meaning elected officials, to govern by our consent. We are the supreme authority. God is the supreme. We are on this government established in a constitutional republic. We are the sovereign. We allow them to govern by our consent and we constrain them to the seven articles of the U.S. Constitution, the 27 amendments that they're not to violate and they swear that they will defend that against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And when they violate that constitution, we the people, the sovereign of the nation, accordance to our birth certificate, the Declaration of Independence, it's our right and our duty to push back. And they have violated it when they said on Palm Sunday, and this is how we got in this mess, because here we are, the first Sunday of 2021, it's time for our sacrament, it's when we participate in communion. And this mess started on April 4th, Palm Sunday, when the governor declared the church is not essential. I resigned from my council seat, we hosted communion, and we have been doing this ever since, in violation of whatever the governor thinks he has the authority to do. Now, is the, church, is the church permitted to decide what laws they're going to follow and what laws they're not going to follow? No. No, but if the church violates, or excuse me, if the government violates the Constitution, the First Amendment, it's our right and our duty to push back. This is a very clear overreach of our state government. And our, the, the church has yielded to this tyranny. And in yielding to the tyranny... They have created the highest homelessness and the highest poverty of any state in the Union. And they wait downstream to fish out this human heartache that they've helped create by yielding to the tyranny of a governor who's devastating our state and ruining our economy and taking away the jobs of these folks. And most of the people that Matthew Barnett will be helping are single moms whose rent has run out. 
while we wait for this $2,000 check that's going to be written on an account that is 128% of our GDP, meaning we have a debt 128% greater than our GDP. They're printing money. And they're going to take a debt, $26,000 for every American, and they're going to trickle down to you $2,000, and they're going to tell you to shut up and do as you're told and take it. And the only way to stop this tyranny is to stand up for truth and say, no, not on our watch, never again, not now, it's over. And that's our responsibility. And then they say you don't love your neighbor. You're endangering them. You're endangering them to a virus that has a 99.8% survival rate, has a death rate of three one-hundredths of one percent in our county. And I say no, no. You see, we can do the antibody test, and I, I guarantee if we did that here, and I just don't want to spend the money, but there's a part of me I think I do. <laughs> Immunity by community. Desolation by isolation. You're free. If you're afraid of the virus, stay home. Sit in the parking lot and listen to our FM broadcast. Go on the live stream. But if you want to live and you want to worship and you want to fellowship, come. Yes, but you're going to infect others. I got news for you. The most protected human being on the planet, the President of the United States, you can't come into his presence without a PCR test. You've got to stick that sucker way up the old schnozzle tickles your brain and your eyes water. It's not sterile. And every person that comes in the presence of the president has to have that test done. He is, he's completely protected, and yet he still contracts COVID. The virus is going to do what the virus does. And now they're saying, well, we've got a vaccine. But it doesn't, it's not a vaccine that builds immunity towards the virus. It's a vaccine that will stave off the symptoms of the virus. But they call it a vaccine, which is not the proper definition. And now we have over 100 people, I think it's over 200 people in Israel now that they've done a million uh, vaccines, 200 people have come down with COVID even having had the vaccine. I can't figure that. And then the facial paralysis that others have had, they said, these are not the drones you're looking for, don't look at that, the vaccine's necessary. And the vaccine apparently has a 95% success rate for a virus that has a 99.8% survival rate, and I'm thinking. <laughs> and yet, how is it Dr. Fauci can financially gain from something he's enforcing to be placed on every citizen. And they say, well, you have to love your neighbor. You're exposing them to the virus. No, no, no. No, we do love our neighbor. The Bible, and I remember this with the judge when he said to my counsel, he said to our attorney, uh, remind the good pastor of the second greatest commandment. I thought about that. Well, the first one is love your neighbor, or excuse me, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. I said, oh, I, thank you, judge. We do love our neighbor. We love our neighbor so much that we're standing in opposition to your tyranny. We love the neighbors who have been abused, who are quarantined with their abusers. We love our, our, our neighbors whose children haven't been able to go to school. We love our neighbors whose businesses have been shuttered. We love our neighbors who can't pay rent. We love our neighbors who have had to face this tyranny. We love them, and it's coming at a cost to us. Every time we gather, you're fining us. And the likelihood is I'll see the inside of a jail. We love our neighbors, and all of you are facing the possibility of being one of the thousand does that are going to get a citation. And yet every Sunday, you suckers keep coming. What is your problem? 
we do love our neighbors. We've done over 400 hours, over 14 doctors, two psychologists. We have educated our congregations. We've educated our community. And now as we're approaching January 6th, you're not supposed to worry about this. There's, there's no issue. And I, my friend, Dr. Keith, who you've seen on our program, he got connected with Doug, who uh, is a dear friend. I, I'm not going to say the last name. Doug got him connected with a couple of congressmen and a senator. And at one point, we had um, just a handful of Congress members who were willing to stand in opposition to the Electoral College January 6th, certifying the election. Keith started making calls. They started putting up billboards. They've been making copious calls. They've finally gotten it now. I think we're at 12 senators and over 140 Congress members who are going to stand in opposition to it on January 6th. The key issue is going to be the Vice President of the United States. He declares himself to be a, a born-again believer. He stands for the unborn. I heard him speak at the Student Action Summit in Palm Beach. He seemed to be willing to go forward. There's question about it, whether it will affect his legacy and whatever the communique is to him. I think the critical moment at this, what we're going to call a kairos moment, there's two terms for for time in the Greek, there's chronos and kairos. Chronos is your watch. It's just measuring time. Kairos is a moment in time where God works in the affairs of men. This is a kairos moment. This kairos moment is whether or not that vice president will stand. It's going to require prayer. By the way, every airline is booked. Every train is booked. Every hotel is booked in Washington, D.C. Good luck getting there. So now as we have diffused Romans 13, 1 through 10, the conviction on my heart last night as the Lord had put on my mind that word kairos, just kept uttering that word kairos to me. I, I'm not familiar with putting sermons together, waiting for the Lord to give me one word and saying, do something. And I remember a, a dear brother, Dr. Lawrence White, who did a sermon that was phenomenal on Kairos and Kronos. He went out of 1 Kings 18. And yet as I listened to that, I still wasn't inspired. And then the Lord brought me to Romans because I had read it to once again defend my brothers and my sisters who have been standing. And then the Lord brought me to verse 11 through 14 and I was deeply convicted because in this Kairos moment, we have defined how we are on the right side of history in accordance with Romans 13. But then he said, this is the responsibility of those who stand. And I was convicted. This is the call of the body of Christ. And in these four verses, you will find the word kairos. This is your moment. This is the moment for the body of Christ. This is a moment in time that will define history as we know it, the furtherance of America as we know it. And so with that, would you please stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. <clears throat> I'll read out loud if you'll follow along silently. Romans 13, beginning with verse 11, the apostle Paul writes, and do this, knowing the kairos, that now it is high time, kairos, to awake out of your slumber, your sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. 
The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Lord, we ask your blessing on the study of your word for all who are in the hearing of my voice. Lord, I pray that there would be an awakening. We're sleepwalking. It's time for us to awaken. This is the kairos. This is that moment in time where you are calling your bride to awaken out of her slumber. And Lord, there's a lot of things we can do while we sleepwalk. And it seems to model the church, but we have no power. And Lord, this season, 2020, and now coming into 2021, you have revealed with a highlighter those who stand with you and those who do not. Lord, in this moment, I pray that your bride would awaken from her slumber. I pray, Lord, that we would see our responsibility in this text and we would honor you and set the captives free. God, we have to take off before we can put on. And there are things that need to be brought into the light. This armor of light, you declare in 1 John that we're to walk in the light as you are in the light, that we're to confess our sins one to another, not unto salvation, but unto restoration. Because fungus and sin only grows in darkness. We are children of the light. And Lord, because we've compromised, we have become accustomed to deception. And it becomes now very comfortable to us. But God, it's time for us to awaken out of our sleepwalking. Help us, Lord. Minister to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, have a seat. A gentleman came to me on New Year's, um, and I'm not going to reveal his name or his struggle, but I will share that the counsel I gave is the same counsel I would give to all of you. He was struggling with an issue in his life, and he says, if, if I come clean with this, if I'm honest, I'm going to lose some things. And their comment was, I feel like I'm losing my identity I don't know who I am. I said, the reason why you don't know who you are is because you're living a lie. You're maintaining and holding on to something that's not real because you're hiding something, and that's the truth. And if you bring that out, you're going to lose this. But if you continue to operate in this capacity, your mind isn't built for that. You're losing your mind. You don't know who you are. The remedy, the antidote to this ailment that you have is first John to walk in the light as he is in the light confessing your sins one to another find someone you trust and tell them the circle of sin is a circle of repentance if it's a secret sin between you and God it's secret repentance if it's a private sin between you and someone else it's private repentance if it's public it's a public repentance but you need to bring that into the light because it'll die if you're a drug addict and you're struggling with drugs Tell the person you love and you trust and the person who's been affected by it, this is where I buy it, this is what I'm like when I'm on it. Are you tracking me? This is, all the things you perceive are real. The deception is mine. And lay that out. You go through a number of other areas in your life where you walk in the light. 
It kills it. You can just fill in the blank whatever your sin is, but the deception is what you become accustomed to. The church has become accustomed to it. And the Apostle Paul lays out authority and he lays out the challenge that the church faces. He talks about how we're to love our neighbor, how we're to operate in the public square, in the ecclesia. But the church is sleepwalking. And do this knowing the time that is now high time to awaken out of our slumber, out of our sleep. When you sleepwalk, it's interesting, you can sleep sing, by the way. But like sleep talking, it's usually not very good singing. We lose our fine muscle control when we sleep. Why those with apnea need a CPAP machine. So the tongue, the glottis, or the glottis and the breathing are not well coordinated, at least um, from an objective viewer or listener's point of view. Josh Groban, I was watching him on a show and he had recorded himself singing while he was sleeping. It was awful. This is a man with a profound voice. It was awful. But you still can sing when you're sleeping. There's a number of things you can do while you're sleeping. People can talk in their sleep. They can hear things in their sleep. People walk in their sleep. People sing in their sleep. People think in their sleep. We call it dreaming. You see, the church is asleep. And all the while, we've been singing and talking. We've been thinking, hearing. But we're sleepwalking. We're not awake to the truth. We've been subject to deception. We've allowed deception to enter into our life, and that's why the Lord says, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light, walking in the light as he is in the light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness and lewdness, lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Fascinatingly enough, this passage of scripture was that which got Augustine to come to Christ. He just realized, Lord, those things that I don't want to do, those I do, as the Apostle Paul said. And those things I want to do, I don't do. Oh, wretched man that I am. And he said, how do I overcome this? As he struggled with his life, and it was here that he saw, I need to take off those things that are killing me and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an act of the will. And that's where I turned to that individual and I said, you know why you're doing what you're doing? And they said, why? I said, because you can And we as a church have become accustomed to facilitating sin. We become enablers. We take away the consequences because we still want the appearance of having it all together. We don't want to deal with the consequences and the fallout of being honest. And bless this individual's heart, they got it. And they're the ones that sought me out and they were willing to go and resolve it. This is the awakening that God is calling us to awaken from our sleepwalking. I say this because there is a man that goes by a pen name, Theodore Dalrymple. You can look him up based on his pen name and you'll realize he's a medical doctor. He works on the east end of London and he's done copious amounts of work in Africa. He's an amazing theologian and author. But he wrote this and I was moved by it. Because this is the condition of the church in America. Look. The purpose of propaganda is not to persuade or convince, nor to inform, but to humiliate. And therefore, the less it corresponds to reality, the better. When people are forced to remain silent when they are being told the most obvious lies, or even worse, when they are forced to repeat the lies themselves, 
they lose once and for all their sense of probity. Probity means moral conviction. To assent to obvious lies is to cooperate with evil and in some small way to become evil oneself. One standing to resist anything is thus eroded and even destroyed. A society of emasculated liars is easy to control. You have to wear a mask. Yes, but the virus is one one one-thousandth of the size of a strain of hair, and if you can smell smoke, the virus will easily... No, you have to wear a mask. But it just... Ah! Where's your mask? Oh... You don't get on the plane without a mask. You don't come shopping without a mask. You're in a church. You're in a church of super spreaders. And what's worse is the letters I get from congregants. It breaks my heart. They've bought into the hysteria. We've spent 400 hours, over 14 doctors, two psychologists. We've educated. We've looked at all the data. And they still dump on us. Because they've bought into the hysteria. And they don't want to be canceled. They're more concerned with their popularity than they are with truth. They're used to those little incremental yieldings to deception and they become emasculated. Social distancing, where's the data? You don't need it. Just stay six feet apart. But why do I have to stay in at 10 p.m.? It's science. I don't understand the science. Does the virus only work from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m.? Stop it. You need to obey. But the Constitution says that the church is essential. No, I will declare what is essential. Now shut up, do as you're told, and like it. But the data doesn't add up that 100% of the people, these are not the droids you're looking for. Stop it. 74 million people voted more than anyone else for president, and they've stolen the election. They haven't stolen anything. You have no evidence. Now go away. Why are all the planes full and the trains and the hotels? They, they won't be there. They're no, they're, the crowds don't exist. But you know why the church won't open their doors and why the pastors attack guys like Kirk and Sean? Because incremental yielding to deception has brought them to a place of emasculatedness. They, they, they no longer can stand. They're sleepwalking. They can still sing. They can still preach. They can talk. They can listen. They can hear. They can think. They can sing, but they're asleep. And what God has done in this moment is he's taking this circumstance that we've all been faced with, we've all lamented and struggled through, we've been challenged by it, we still continue to go to church even though people ridicule us and, and our picture is put forward and, and they dox you and they, they do whatever they can to cancel you. And if they hear, we, we have stories in the church where people have come to the church, someone has told someone else that they're in the church and they've lost their job. And all of a sudden they still keep coming. You have an entire fire department that they went to go give the vaccine to. And every single fireman said, I'm not taking it. And the health official said, I'm glad because I'm not taking it either. 
Now, if I were to say the fire department, I guarantee you they'd all be fired. And no one would stand in their defense. We don't want to be ridiculed. And the church becomes more and more silent and emasculated. And why we become so accustomed to it? Because we still know how to sing even though we're in sleepwalking mode. We become accustomed to deception because there are sins in our life that we have allowed to remain. And so when we see our role in the public square and then God says, it's time you wake up. This is your Kairos moment. Throw off the deception. Throw off the works of the flesh and put on Christ. Kairos. A moment occurs when in God's time to act in human affairs. A Kairos moment is an invitation to cooperate with the Holy Spirit now. And I share this because as I opened up my email, Second Service, my friend David Lane had penned this to the million people on his Facebook followers. Senator Rubio's allegations that Dr. Fauci selectively lied to the American public about the coronavirus is not to be taken lightly, for it bespeaks Dr. Fauci's crafty disposition. In the words of Proverbs 12, 17, the faithful witness tells what is right, but a false witness speaks deceit. To put this into context, a supreme power in a republic rests in the body of citizens entitled to vote. To represent the owner's interests, representatives are chosen directly by extension and then staffed to operate government. The basic principle of our constitutional representative republic, established by America's founders, demands that elected officials and government bureaucrats work for the owners of America, we the people. When the nation's owners cannot fully rely on government bureaucrats, media elites, and or unprincipled politicians to produce openness and truthfulness, tenable freedom can no longer be held, maintained, or defended. America totters on the verge of an upcoming pandemic of secular subterfuge and subversion spreading throughout the nation's very substance, occupying the slopes and summits of spiritual, intellectual, educational, economical, and vocational mountains of influence, unscrupulous and disingenuous secularists have plunged America into the dark depths of iniquity and depravity, with it being understood that culture is the public manifestation of religion and that righteousness exalts a nation, our children's and their children's prospects of sustainable freedom couldn't be any worse. The sooner America's rightful owners will recognize that transient and mutable secularism is vying for ideological supremacy and control of the public square against eternal and immutable God, the more that recognition per se will improve our chance of making it through the onslaught of secularism, Marxism, and other kindredisms. In addition, almost finished, in addition, the theological heresy and anti-biblical subculture fashioned by contemporary Christendom over the last 100 years with its overgrown priority on attendance and bulgy budgets will require some substantial cutting back to size as well. The Apostle Paul's description of putting on a show by observing the outward forms of religion while at the same time having no impact on the culture whatsoever closely matches America's Christendom and their pursuits over the last century or so. And then Paul in 2 Timothy 3, 5 writes, having an appearance of indeed of godliness but denying the power thereof, turn away from such. I thought it was a fascinating newsletter that he sent out. I was blessed by it because it coincides with my understanding of what God's saying to us this morning. When we look at this passage of scripture, we know that in sleepwalking, we can sleep, uh, we can talk, we can hear, we can walk, we can sing, we can think. One can do many religious things and still be asleep toward God. 
it's important for every Christian to make sure that they are truly awake and active in their life before God. The illustration is from taking off and putting on clothes when Paul writes in Romans, cast off the works of darkness, put on the armor of light. When you get dressed every day, you dress appropriately to who you are and what you plan to do. Therefore, every day put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We must cast off before we put on. Everyone has to examine their life and see what deception we've allowed to enter and what territory that rightfully belongs to God we've allowed the enemy to occupy. You see, in 1 Samuel 16, or is it 17, the story of David and Goliath, it's not a, it's not a lesson on how to defeat a giant. It's a lesson on how content God's people are to allow the enemy to occupy territory that rightfully belongs to God. Just read the first sentence of the story of David, Goliath. The Philistines occupied territory that belonged to Judah. Putting on Christ is a strong and vivid metaphor. It means more than put on the character of the Lord Jesus Christ, signifying rather that let Jesus Christ himself be the armor that you wear. Make no provision for the flesh. Bring it into the light. Let it die like a fungus. The flesh will be as, as active as we allow it to be. If two tigers live in a cage, the one that wins in a fight is the one you feed the most. There's the tiger of the flesh and the tiger of the spirit. We have a work to do in walking properly as in the day. It isn't as if Jesus does it for us as we sit back. Instead, he does it through us as we willingly and actively partner with him. And as I said earlier, this was the passage that brought Augustine to a place where he was the father of one of the greatest movements in the church. This is our Kairos moment. God is calling his children to awaken from the slumber. He says that we are to cast off the works of darkness and that we're to put on the armor of light. Fascinatingly enough, this armor depiction is in Ephesians. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the, in the evil day and having done all to stand. Therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Every one of these is armor, and the weapon is the sword of the Scripture. The rest is armor, and the armor is only for frontward assault. There's no protection in the back. God doesn't intend you to run. Having done all, stand. You are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. No weapon fashioned against you will stand. He has vanquished the enemy and he has called you in this Kairos moment to put off the flesh and put on the armor of light of Christ. Stand in this moment. Declare the truth. No longer allow compromise to paralyze you. Because in the paralysis they will take your freedom. And the church is the entity given on this earth to set the captives free. Now the clamoring for compromise and the fact that they have dismissed you and canceled you and you are left all by your lonesome and you're no longer popular and you're losing your followers. Big whoop-de-doo. 
Now that's not getting as much of a clap as I thought it would because you were all a little bit. Elijah stood alone. The prophets of Baal were numerous. He seemed to stand by himself as the children of Israel, God's people, were silent. He stood on Mount Carmel. I've been in that location before. And as he stood there on Mount Carmel, all alone, he looked at the people who were silent and paralyzed because their life was riddled with compromise. They'd allowed darkness to creep in and they'd become accustomed to deception and they were now sleepwalking. And he calls them to awaken in 1 Kings 18, verse 21. He said to the people, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Choose this day whom you'll serve. If, if Jesus Christ is Lord, then why is the church not open? <clears throat> Oh, but pastor, we're still singing. You can do that while you're sleeping. We're still preaching. You can do that while you're sleeping. You see, you're sleeping in compromise. The Lord says this is your kairos moment to awaken. This is your time to lead the people out of captivity. This is the time to say, this is stupid, and you know it is, and we're not putting up with it anymore. Look, I understand we've all been affected. Nobody likes this virus. I'm not dismissing the fact that it, that it is a dangerous virus. What I am addressing is the fact we've used this virus politically. We could have protected all of these folks. We could have had them with HCQ. We could have given them prophylactics and we could have helped them. But instead we politicized it and they've got blood on their hands. But we're asleep. Ben Franklin said, most men die at 25. We just don't bury them until they're 70. <laughs> this is our Kairos moment. It was this day, the first Sunday of April, now the first Sunday of January, and the first Sunday of 2021 that we started this rebellion. The governor said the church was non-essential. The church is the bride of Christ, as I've said often and I'll say often in the future. I've been married to Michelle for 30 years. You tell me my wife's not essential, you'll be picking up your teeth with your broken arm. The church is the bride of Christ. We don't need a governor to tell us we're essential, we already know we are. Every American is essential. Every worker is essential. This is the United States of America. There is freedom. We are all essential, period. All right. 
I got five minutes and I want to have a very special communion, so we're going to work this here. Sit down. Bless you all. Our Kairos moment. Kairos, the word time, it's depicted in that passage as Kairos, not Kronos, Kairos. God is calling you to awaken. And this is the first Sunday of 2021. And you have with you right now the elements of communion. This is a sacrament. This was ordained by God himself in the upper room. Catholics, I believe, venerate communion too much and Protestants don't venerate it enough. But I have to say, our Catholic brothers and sisters see it as the literal body and blood of Christ that when the priest through the apostolic authority prays over it, it turns into the literal body and blood of Christ. Protestants, we kind of look at it as a shot glass and let's get to lunch. Serious. We don't understand the significance of it. But when you read a passage, when the Apostle Paul, the same writer of Romans, when he writes in 1 Corinthians 11 and he declares communion. Now, hold that cup in your hand, please. We're not going to take it right now. And if you've taken it, don't worry, you're not going to go to hell. (laughs) But hold that cup in your hand. And listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was to be betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, all that, now we understand what it's there for. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. What do you mean, Pastor? You can sing while you're sleeping. You can teach while you are sleeping. You can take communion while you're sleeping. How do you examine yourself? Discerning the Lord's body. Verse 30. For this reason many are weak, You're spineless. You're sick. You've you've succumbed to paranoia. And many of you sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. God is saying to his bride on this Kairos moment as January 6th approaches, and I don't know the outcome of January 6th, but I do know this, January 7th, Jesus Christ will still be on the throne. And his church is being called in this Kairos moment, regardless of the outcome, to awaken, to put off the flesh and put on Christ, and to put away the deception that has allowed you to come to a place where you have been manipulated and silenced and and moved like cattle. And you're putting up with the absolute hypocrisy and the lies as they've been permeated into our community and we have stood there and we've allowed them to do it. 
and the church is not standing. And now as we hold this cup that represents his body and his blood, and we examine ourselves, we awaken from our sleepwalking to this Kairos moment that it's time to put away the deception. It's time to live for Christ. Choose this day whom you'll serve. If Jesus Christ is Lord, then live in such a way as to declare that. We are finished with the deception. Let the world see that the body of Christ cares, that we are committed, and the God we proclaim with our mouth is the same God we serve with our lives. That is communion. It's a significance. We don't venerate it enough. We must examine our lives. And so in the light of the armor of God, let that shine into the darkness of the crevices of your soul. And what needs to go today? What has conditioned us to yield to deception all these years? What is the game we've been playing? It's time to let it go. You are a child of the king. And you stand in liberty and you have been set free. And he that the son is set free is free indeed. Stand up. You are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And this cup is the antidote to the deception that you've become prone to. Let it cleanse you of all unrighteousness and live for Jesus the remaining days of your life. I'm gonna invite the worship team up and may this be a communion you'll never forget because we're going into 2021 as conquerors. And you will be a conqueror when the deception has been lifted from your life and you walk in the truth. You walk in the light as he is in the light. Examine your heart. Give him everything. And you know what needs to go. You give that to him. And in exchange, he hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You will be the ones he calls on in this Kairos moment to set the captives free. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time of communion, Lord Jesus. We do this in honor of you and in remembrance of you. You were crucified. You bled. You died. And the last words on your lips, the last word on your lips was to tell us die. It is finished. Paid in full. A debt we couldn't pay in a thousand lifetimes you paid on that cross. You came to set us free from the law of sin and death by the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Your body was broken. Your holy blood was shed. It paid the penalty for those who would call upon the name of the Lord. Lord, we've been sleepwalking. We've been professing you while we sleep, but yet we have not been awake to the things that break your heart. We've not been standing because we've been prone to deception and we've allowed them to paralyze us in fear. But today we awaken, we're no longer scared. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the government is upon your shoulder and you are the author of liberty and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so because you were crucified, you bled, you died, you were buried and you resurrected and we have received this everlasting life by calling on the name of the Lord and you declared if you do that, you will be saved to the glory of the Father. And we're here today to honor you that sacrifice that you gave us, we do not want to take in an unworthy manner. We awaken from our slumber. We are children of the Most High God and we have been set free and we will walk in that freedom. We will put off the lust of the flesh and we will put on the armor of light, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the Spirit, 
the, the shoes fitted with the gospel of peace. We are your children. And in this Kairos moment, we are equipped to be used for your glory. So bless your people now as we partake in this cleansing moment. We put off the flesh and we put on Christ. In remembrance of you, Lord, we do this in Jesus' name.